So, um, fishing. What do you think about when you think about fishing? Uh, Mark and I had some good friends. We're not fishermen, but we had some good friends that uh, loved to fish. And one of them was uh, a friend of ours, Ian Potts. Ian sadly is no longer with us, but Ian was uh, a member of this church and he was also Mark's friend from university and his business partner in architecture for many years. And uh, Ian loved to fish. And because of this, he instigated an annual fishing trip on a barge. And he and three of his buddies would go every year. In fact, I think the tradition lives on and some of them are on that now. Um, and they would do what men love to do most, which is to spend time on their own, nobody telling them what to do, only talk if they want to, and of course, fish. So the tale I remember best <clears throat> that Ian came back from one of these fishing trips was probably in the early 2000s. And at the time, Ian, um, in the architectural practice, had a client, uh, quite a famous client, the celebrity chef, Rick Stein. And uh, so Rick was Ian's client. And Rick, went on, uh, Rick didn't go on the fishing trip. No, Ian went on the fishing trip. And one day he was fishing for this particular type of fish. Mike Smith did explain it to me, but it was over my head. Anyway, it was a carp, some sort of carp that you could eat. And Ian caught this carp or these carp and he decided he was very excited and he was going to cook for his fellow fishermen friends. And uh, they knew about the celebrity chef connection and they found out that Ian had Rick Stein's mobile number on his mobile phone. So they teased him and they goaded him, apparently, into actually giving Rick a call and asking for a recipe for his carp. Um, now, Ian isn't renowned for his cooking skills, um, and he did, and he got a recipe as far as I understand. Um, I don't think they cooked it. I think they probably had a pasty that night. But... Um, Anyway, he came back with a great fishing tale. But, of course, that's not the fishing that I want to talk to you about this morning. <clears throat> Very different type of fishing. We're going to read from Luke's Gospel together. So, um, if you'd like to turn to me, turn to me, or you can turn with me, to um, chapter 5 of Luke, starting in verse 1. It says, One day... As Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. Sorry, missed out a verse there. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. 
So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help, and they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet, his knees, and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. So this story that we've read this morning is not about individual fishing lines, but it's about a cooperative of fishermen, partners in fishing. Simon, better known as Peter, as he's later called by Jesus, is present with James and John and some unnamed others. In this story, um, we see Jesus really carefully and deliberately using the activity of fishing as a metaphor for the ministry of the gospel. And he's calling um, Peter and his co-workers into this ministry and he tells them there's a change coming from becoming fishermen to becoming fishers of men. In Matthew and Mark's gospel accounts of the same story, they shows a very sen- a definite sense of invitation from Jesus saying, come, follow me and I'll send you out to fish for people. So as we read the Luke words today, I think we're also intended to experience that same call of Jesus by his spirit to become fishers of people, messengers of this powerful gospel of transformation that we carry, that we've been singing about. And we're focusing these first three Sundays of September on the gospel. And my prayer is that these messages would kind of wash over us and just drive and wash away all the hindrances to getting this wonderful message out. Our next Alpha course, as you know, unless you've been asleep, uh, starts on the 27th of September. And Alpha is an introduction to the Christian faith. And it's one of the ways that we preach the gospel at Plymouth Christian Centre. It's not the only way, but it's been a significant way of reaching people with the gospel in a place that they're ready to access it. I was thinking it's a bit like one of those branch lines that goes to the -the out-of-the-way places to pick up people. And the Holy Spirit has been using Alpha for decades um, to reach people from different places, even different languages, um, from people with no faith or with other faiths, Uh, to those with a mild curiosity about faith or to those who are desperately seeking the meaning of life and lots of other places in between. So, got another short video and this is just from a few people who did our last Alpha course just to give you a taste for, um, you know, what their experience was like. I came to the church service uh, during Christmas and I was quite new to the church so I was like I want to find out more Um, and my friend Sam said well let's do an alpha. Got friends at the church already um, and they they sort of mentioned it to me and sort of told me all about it and why it'd be good for me to come along. I just went on online on Google and just typed in Christianity and I want to learn more. There's a friend of mine who uh, goes to the church and his family who were um, 
heavily involved with the church and they thought it'd be a good idea for me to just come along and give it a go. I went, started going to the playgroup Jelly Beans with a friend of mine and her little boy. I moved to Plymouth in uh, June um, for work. So um, I found this church with, with my parents when they helped me move down. Um, so yeah, um, I heard about it through the church services really. I was going into it totally blind. I really didn't know a lot about Christianity at all. I didn't want to be that one person that didn't believe in, in a church setting. Um, but the first couple of weeks it was so relaxed, everyone was so nice, everyone was so friendly. Fit in straight away, um, able to just speak to everyone freely and openly. The video is a really informative way of learning, I think, and then the discussion sort of built on that, which was good. It's opened my mind a lot more, and faith isn't what I thought it was. I've learned a lot about the faith that I didn't know, you know, half of it I'd never even heard of. Um, so it's been really informative for me. Alpha has helped me explore uh, my faith in, in a deeper way, um, also kind of friendships and also to ask those difficult questions. Honestly, I would recommend it to people. It'll be some things that people will bring up that you haven't quite thought of or they'll ask the questions that you're too scared to ask. I feel like my outlook on certain situations has changed. It's amazing you, you get to kind of explore all kind of different subjects and things like that um, and meet other people so yeah uh, I'd recommend it to anyone. So what I'd like to do this morning is offer you um, four things that I see in this story that I think can encourage us to reach others with the gospel, especially as we approach this next Alpha course and the opportunities that that's going to give us. So the first thing I see is that Jesus is at the center of all the activity. And that might sound really obvious because it is a story about Jesus. But look how Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit, orchestrates the whole scene borrows Peter's boat as a stage to speak to the gathering crowds. Then he asks Peter to do something that will result in him and his friends being part of a miracle. Jesus is there to guide and encourage and commission. And Jesus uses this very visual, visual miracle to deeply imprint on the disciples that there is a huge but miraculous mission ahead. And even after his death, when the disciples, you know, momentarily seemed to go back to their fishing because they were disillusioned, the resurrected Jesus shows up on the beach and he does it again. He repeats the miracle as part of his recommissioning of the fledgling church. Jesus is at the heart of Alpha. The first two sessions specifically answer questions about who Jesus is. And look at the evidence around the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, by his spirit, is still commissioning and orchestrating ways of enabling his church to be fishers of men. And Alpha's one of those ways. The gospel message has been left in the hands of the spirit-empowered church. That's you and me. But Jesus is at the center. We are his body and he's the head. He's the source of salvation. Simply put, it's all about Jesus. And where Jesus is lifted up, men will be drawn to him. So that's the first thing. Jesus is at the center. The second thing I see is the responsiveness of the disciples. 
think about the scene and really put yourself in it. Peter had been working all night. He was probably cold and wet, definitely exhausted. And he and his team had already washed their nets after the night's fishing, which was unsuccessful. Peter climbs in, Jesus climbs into Peter's boat and asks him to row out to the lake and then tells him to go back to work after they've already washed the nets. It's easy for us to think that this conversation was just between Peter and Jesus. But actually, there is a sense that it was plural because the nets required a team and Jesus' command to let down your nets, as it's translated in other translations, is plural, not singular. They pulled the catch of fishing. The gospel message, I believe, is a plural activity. One of the statistics, I think Paul mentioned it last week, that we heard from Alpha UK, is that it takes around eight touches, eight things that people uh, come to find out about Alpha before somebody responds to an Alpha invitation. It takes many people to reach someone with the gospel. It takes many touches of the kingdom for someone to come to faith. Think about your own journey, not just the point at which you gave your life to Christ, but who else was involved along the way? I can remember very clearly my sister Sheila explaining the gospel to me when I was 17. And I remember understanding and knowing it was true, but I didn't want to do that right now. I remember thinking in my head, maybe when I'm 30, maybe when I've had some fun, big mistake. <laughs> didn't turn out to be so much fun after all. Um, but anyway... Those, those touches of Alpha um, are the things that, you know, can bring people to an Alpha course. In the story, Peter and the others were tired, but there is something about the voice of Jesus that somehow draws them and enables them to let down their nets again, even though they're tired and Peter knows that he didn't respond with all of his heart, clearly as he falls at Jesus' knees saying what a sinful man he is. But Jesus only needs a mustard seed of faith. And somehow Peter finds himself in the middle of a miracle and a commission. Jesus can work with a tiny seed of faith. Do you have a seed of faith this morning? Jesus wants to work with it. So one of the touches of Alpha could be an invitation card. I think you were handed some this morning, and I'm sure I brought some up on stage, but they obviously slipped out. Can you pass me that? Great little invitation cards. Um, you can leave them places. You can give them to people. On the back, there's a QR code, and if you scan that, you go straight to the sign-in to Alpha link and it explains everything on the page. So, um, so that's, that's a great thing to have on you, a great thing to take some more away. You've been given one, but there are more at Connect Corner. Let me tell you something that I discovered only last week um, about these types of cards. Um, we did a course in February, and in my office, um, I just felt what I could do was I could leave some of these invitations on the coffee table. Did that, prayed, nobody came to Alpha. 
But I was chatting to somebody from my workplace um, who I don't know that well just a week ago. And uh, it turns out she's you know, on a, a journey of exploring Christianity. And she started attending a church, a local church to her. And uh, I said, oh, that's great. Have you, have you done an alpha course? And she said, well, yes, I have actually. She said, well, I've done half a course. She said, because um, I noticed those cards that you put on the coffee table at work. And I picked one up, and I'd never heard of Alpha before. But then I realized my church were running an Alpha. So I went in, and I joined the second half, and I really liked it. And she said to me, thank you so much for putting those cards on the coffee table, because I'd never heard of Alpha before. And I thought, wow, one anointed touch. I said to her, why don't you come and join our Alpha course and you can do the first half because that's really good. The third thing I see, we've got the responsiveness of the disciples. The third thing I see is the responsiveness of the fish, which I find surprising. Now, I did a teeny, weeny, weeny little bit of research on fishing at this time. And it seems likely that the type of net fishing was done only at night. Um, in the daytime, seems obvious, I suppose, the fish could see the nets and avoid them. And some of the things I read said that the fishermen at nighttime even would have to make a noise with um, cl clacking metal things together to scare the, net, the fish into the net. So the miracle to me on this occasion is not only that the fish showed up after being very elusive the previous night, but they swam willingly into the net in broad daylight. What was Jesus telling us from this metaphor that he was using about winning souls? That it won't be because of our clever words and skills at becoming fishers of men. There will be a miraculous, spirit-led element to our soul winning. He said he would make his disciples fishers of men. Jesus, by his spirit, is the source of successful soul winning. And we know, don't we, that Jesus spent much time with his Father, yielding to the Spirit so that he could move in the things that his Father was doing in heaven and bring them about on earth. And that's a simple lesson for us, really, is to pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would move people's hearts to be receptive to the gospel. We don't want to scare people into coming to Christ. We don't need to do that. We want to see the Holy Spirit at work drawing people with those cords of loving kindness. The Apostle Paul reminds us the God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. We need to pray that the spiritual forces that blind those who don't yet know Christ are broken and that blind eyes would be open. I had a conversation with a neighbor of mine yesterday. Um, I've been next door to her 32 years and uh, we've had lots of conversations about Jesus. But there's a sense, and there was a sense yesterday that Maybe her eyes were being opened um, because it's the work of the Spirit. It's not just the words that we say. 
Jesus said to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. We need to be sent. Sending Sunday, I've called this. We need to be sent in the power of the Spirit. The, the word sent in the Greek is ekbalo, which means to, to thrust or to expel or to compel. It's, it's a word with great momentum, and that's what we want. We want to be sent. Jesus uh, breathed on his disciples as he sent them, saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And he told them the Spirit would in, empower them to be witnesses. So we need to rely on the Holy Spirit just like Jesus did. Pray for those around you with the confidence that everyone is invited. There's nobody who's off limits. doesn't matter what you've done or what's been done to you. Everybody is invited into this wonderful gospel of grace. Paul tells Timothy, doesn't he, that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So prayer is just partnering with the Holy Spirit to move people into position to hear the gospel and to move us into position to give the gospel. You can pray. You can pray for one person. You can join us on these Wednesday evenings that we're going to be praying leading up to Alpha. Or you can join us Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. We meet to pray. If you're an early riser, we pray for the work of the church. We pray for the lost and we'll be praying for Alpha. You've only got to look at the early book of Acts, the early chapters in the book of Acts, to see the power of prayer um, in the early church and what happened. So the last thing, and you might need to wake yourself up for this, so you know, give yourself a good fanning and you know, slap yourself around the face, whatever you need to do, because it's very, very hot. The last thing, which I think is really important for each one of us, is um, I see the nets. And you might think, well, that's weird. But a few of us went to the Alpha UK conference back in June at HTB in London. And I think we've got a photo coming up here. We managed to get a photo, there it is, with Nicky Gumbel. He is the author and pioneer of the Alpha course. So he's a bit of a, bit of a hero of mine. Um, actually, I have to confess on behalf of Mike Yearling that he did barge into a conversation Nicky was having with a very um, long, white-bearded man who looked like he was high up in the Greek Orthodox um, church to get the selfie, but, you know, had to be done to get a picture. <laughs> um, so you'll see on that photo we were wearing these conference lanyards, and um, they were given to us on arrival. On one side, they had... The schedule for the day, which was really helpful because you didn't lose it. And on the other side, it said this. It said, hello, I'm on the team. And I thought to myself, oh, that's very inclusive of you, but we're not really, are we? <laughs> and uh, anyway, we went into our first session and the lady uh, who was introducing the conference said, you'll notice that on the lanyard you've got, it says, hello, I'm on the team. And honestly... That wasn't the original plan. It wasn't until yesterday, she said, we were putting the lanyards together and we realized that the delegates and the hosts both had the same badges and we were racking our brains trying to think how we were going to reprint everything for today. And she said, and then somebody in the team said, no, this is a prophetic word because it's true. We are all on the team. And Jenny and I were just really struck by that. 
And that's why this image of the nets, it, it came so strongly to me. I'm convinced that God is saying to us all, you're on the team. Go on, say it to your neighbor. You're on the team. Well done. Well done, church. You're doing so well in this heat, I can tell you. Of course, we do have specific teams that help on the night. We have teams that cook and bake. We have um, teams uh, on Zoom that pray during Alpha. Um, we have teams that host the tables, teams that welcome the guests, a wonderful team of washer-uppers. And um, yeah, they're all fantastic members of our team. And in fact, if you've ever helped with an Alpha, this church or any church ever, would you just stand up if you've ever helped with an alpha? And I know who you are, so stand up. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't that great? Give these guys a round of applause. <clears throat> but it doesn't stop there. Even if you're not on any of those teams and never have been, you are on the team because there's no catch of fish without a net. You're the net, and without the net, there's no catch of fish. So the net speaks to me of many things. It's your network of friends and family, those you love and those you're praying for, those you meet and befriend, those you mix with at work or at uni or in your daily lives, those you stop and talk to because you feel like God has given you a divine appointment with them those you're willing to walk across the room to and rub shoulders with. And the net in the context of Alpha is those you will invite. We are called, commissioned, and anointed to be fishers of men. An invitation to Alpha is an invitation into the gospel. Remember this one thing. There's no catch of fish without a net. Late in... Um, 2019, I had a picture when we were praying here on our Wednesday early morning prayer meeting. And the picture was of a massive truck with a delivery of brand new bespoke individual shoes. And it was coming up, it was backing up as close as it could do to the church. And all that was required was that each one of us would go and collect our bespoke pair of new shoes. We used to pray, um, Sandy Priest, who's no longer with us, used to pray with us every week. And um, she was a real prayer. She went on to another prayer meeting that afternoon. She phoned me up so excited. She said, you're not going to believe this. She said, I never mentioned the picture about the shoes. But a lady at my prayer meeting in the afternoon had exactly the same picture. And we knew that these were the shoes of the gospel that are mentioned in Ephesians 6. So um, God was encouraging us that he was going to give us new ways of reaching people with the gospel. And I was struck that within a couple of months of this word, we were in lockdown. And we saw glimpses of these new shoes. Many people took responsibility to create ways of reaching people with the gospel, both in actions and in words. Love Thy Neighbor was birthed. Live streaming was orchestrated by our wonderful tech teams, and that enabled Jeff and Paul and Dave to preach the gospel beyond the, word, the walls of our church. 
the uh, worship team recorded beautiful worship songs that went out over YouTube and touched people's lives. We ran a couple of alphas online and we were able to touch family members that live far away uh, and even people in other countries. God is not hampered by lockdowns or bad nights fishing. So why don't you ask the Lord for your specific pair of new gospel shoes that you need to take you to the people that God wants to take you to so that they can hear the gospel. You know, the, the shoes in Ephesians, it is a part of the armor of God and it talks about putting it on. As I was talking to Mark last night, he said, well, shoes are no good unless you put them on. You've got to put them on. So will you put on a new pair of shoes that will take you to the places that God wants to reach? The miraculous catch of fish was a great visual aid to inspire Peter and the disciples to believe that God was going to move through them, and move through them he did. We read in Luke's next volume, the book of Acts, that on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached to a very large and diverse crowd, including many who had rejected Jesus. And suddenly, the miracle of the great catch of fish began to be seen in terms of large catches of people, as more than 3,000 came to faith that day. But we tend to think of that mass change of heart as being a result of Peter's anointed preaching, and he was good. But as I reread the text, I noticed the backstory. The crowds, who were from many different nations, were initially drawn by a group of spirit-filled disciples who spilled out from a prayer meeting where they had just received the Holy Spirit in a dramatic way. And these crowds were from all over the, the known world. And they began hearing these spirit-filled believers praising God in their own language. They were also part of the team that day. As I'm writing this, as I was writing, I was reminded of um, a song. Thankfully, I'm not going to make you sing it. We used to sing in the 80s when we had a, a youth group and um, used to do outreach. Be bold, be strong. For the Lord your God is with you. Anyone remember that one? Yes, got some. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. Yeah, won't go there. Anyway, we need boldness to crush fear. The fear of looking foolish. The fear of someone saying no. I heard a story many years ago from an HTB uh, podcast that I just loved, never forgotten. And it was of this very timid Christian who was trying to pluck up enough courage to invite his work colleague on an alpha. And one day he mustered up all of his courage and he sidled over to his friend at the photocopy machine and he thrust one of these invitations from his sweaty palm into his friend's hand and he said, would you like to come on an alpha course? And his friend looked at him a bit bemused and said, what's an alpha course? And so then he sputtered out, it's, it's, it's an introduction to the Christian faith. And his friend just abruptly said, no, thank you, and uh, walked away. It's a bit of a kick in the gut, really. But that wasn't the end of the story. Later, he discovered from his friend at the photocopying machine that he'd been talking to his sister later that night um, and she was going through some real difficulties and his friend didn't know what to say. 
And so this man, who had so quickly said, no, I don't want to do an alpha course, says to his sister, maybe you should try an alpha course. And she said, what's an alpha course? And by the way, his sister was in China. This is on the phone to China. And he said, well, it's an introduction to the Christian faith. So his sister took his mother to an alpha course in China, and they both came to Christ. So you never know what one invitation will do or how far it will travel or who will pick it up. Don't be put off by fear. We need to be a robust net joined together in our mission, filled with the Spirit, each playing our part, encouraging one another and praying for boldness for the Lord your God is with you. Be bold, be strong for the Lord your God is with you. And one final story here. If you're thinking you won't know what to say, then I'd like to encourage you that God will use anyone who's willing. The first person I ever led to the Lord was my sister Jean. And it happened like this. I came back from visiting a friend in Cornwall who had recently himself become a Christian in prison. That's the kind of people, yeah. And uh, God spoke to me that week. And he opened my eyes, not only to the fact that I needed a saviour, I already knew that, but that Jesus loved me enough to do just that, to be my saviour. And that his death was to save me. If I accepted that and recognised who he really was, the Lord, he fully, unconditionally accepted me in all of my brokenness and he would take my rotten life and do something brand new in me. And true as that was, it felt way too good to be true. I just looked back and considered the poor choices of my late teens and early 20s that had left me with a life that looked like a train wreck. I found myself at 24, 23, 24, more empty than I'd ever felt in my life. So actually, giving my life to Jesus wasn't hard at all. There was very little to give up. It was a gift I could never dream of, just like Christmas had finally come. So 48 hours after this, I returned home to my sister Jean. I was living with her and her family at the time. They'd been incredibly kind and supportive to me. And I think I said something like this. I said, I know you think I'm crazy. And trust me, she had seen some crazy moves from me. I said, but I've given my life to Jesus. She immediately left my room, went straight to her husband, Les, and said, I think Jesus is the answer. Jean then went straight to her room and gave her life to Jesus. It was not with eloquent words, but as the apostle said, Paul said, with the Spirit's power, that Jean, followed swiftly by her husband, Les, came to Christ because the Spirit was at work in them. Trust me. You don't need to know what you're doing to introduce someone to Jesus. You just need to know that Jesus has changed your life and restored you to the Father. And if you know that, you'll be convinced that the same love he has so lavishly poured out on you is available to others. Jerry brought a word a couple of weeks ago about being awake to the indwelling spirit. And I think this is so important as part of what we're doing, that we need to be awake to the Spirit of God. We sometimes 
need to wake up. I'm sure you probably feel like you need to wake up this morning because it's so hot. But we need to be awake to the voice of God within us. And um, that's something we can pray for this morning, that the Spirit would awaken us, awaken us to the amazing love that Jesus has given to us. Sometimes we grow a bit, I don't know, a bit dull, really, to the amazing gift of salvation that Jesus has given us. So we might need this morning to wake ourselves up to that amazing gift that he's given us so that we can pass on this wonderful love. So whether you need to press through fear and get some boldness or ask the Spirit of God to awaken you again to his mercy, we're going to pray this morning and we're going to do that. But maybe this morning you're listening and although you might consider yourself a Christian or maybe you, you're not really sure or you're searching, you don't quite fully grasp what it means for Jesus to be your saviour. So what does it mean to be a Christian? To be a Christian means that you first recognise that you are lost and that you need to be found by someone that loves you and that made you. You need to recognize that you're broken and that we're broken from God and that we don't have anything in our toolbox to fix that. It means that you've grasped something of the height and breadth and depth and width of God's love for you, evidenced in the coming of Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. It means that you accept that Jesus lived the life you could never live and died the death you deserved. And he offers both to us as a gift. You cannot earn it. You make the choice to accept it with all your heart. He will always remain the saviour and you will always be the savee. Being a Christian is to respond to the invitation to follow Jesus for the rest of your life, empowered by his spirit, to fulfill the wonderful purpose you were originally made for. Jesus' death and resurrection were both relational, he drew alongside us, and transactional. He offered himself in death as the perfect sacrifice necessary to restore us to God the Father. That's not just good news. It's the best news you will ever hear. Why don't you stand with me? I'd like us to pray. If today, as I've talked about Jesus and what he did, and about giving your life to Jesus, if that's something you've never done, and you would like to do that, We've got members of our prayer ministry team who are going to be standing around the building, not just at the front. They'll be at the back. They'll be in the aisles. Um, some of them might even go upstairs. But if you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ today, then you can do that and somebody will pray with you. You can say, sorry, it's a turning around. I've been living this way without God and now I'm living this way for God. I'm facing Jesus and I'm receiving all that he's done for me. It's not earned. The important thing to remember is that you need to bring every piece of your life. Jesus is not an accessory, 
but like those kintsugi pots that the Japanese so beautifully craft out of a broken pot, Jesus puts our life back together. They, the Japanese, they've got this lovely art and they put these gold, um, this gold resin to glue everything back together. But you need all the pieces to make it beautiful. And Jesus just wants you to bring all of your brokenness and just to hand it over to him and let him do something brand new and beautiful. So if that's you, please just make your way to one of the prayer team who've got a lanyard and they'll be waiting to pray with you. If, you've, if you need to come back to Jesus, um, again, make your way to one of the prayer team and somebody will pray for you. But we are going to pray for ourselves right now because we want to be sent. Those of us that know Christ, we want to be sent and anointed. We want Holy Spirit boldness and we want to be awake, awake to the indwelling spirit, the voice of the indwelling spirit within us. So why don't you just put your hand on your heart and let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. Lord, we pray that you would fill us, that you would flood us. I pray that like waves, you would crash over every little piece of fear and you would wipe it away, Lord, and that those of us who are just feeling a bit timid and a bit like insecure about going out and reaching other people, Lord, that that would be gone and that that fire that you've lit within us, Lord, would just rise up, Lord, and give us boldness and courage. We want to be sent in the power of the Spirit. We do not want to scare people into coming to Christ. We know that, you know, the lost need love and compassion. That's how you drew me. You didn't draw me with harsh words or a finger wagging. You drew me with cords of loving kindness. And I pray, God, that you would put that in us, that deep, deep compassion for others in the place where they're at, whether it's their fault or whether it's the fault of somebody else. You would give us that deep compassion that you walked this earth with. Lord, fill us by your Spirit and send us out. Lord, and I pray you would wake us up. Wake us up, Lord. We need to be woken from our slumber. We need to be awake to the amazing work of the Spirit within us. Lord, that you are at work. That the, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. And Lord, that your love for us is so amazing. It's so transforming. It's so undeserved. It's so unfailing. It's so, it's just so relentless, Lord. We just pray that you'd awaken us to that love, Lord. And we, we would be, as we sung earlier about the Spirit lighting the flame, that we would be a church on fire. We would be individuals together on fire. Lord, would you give us the ability to encourage one another in this walk, to help one another along the way. Fill us. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us. I had a couple of pictures this morning when I was praying, so I'm just going to share them in case one of them relates to, to somebody here. Um, one of them was of somebody walking their dog very early this morning. Um, 
almost before dawn, it was, it was still dark. And I felt like this person was sort of putting it out there to God saying, you know, I, d- I don't get this, I don't understand it. Um, but God saying, I, I see you, I see you, I see you and I know you and I know, I know what you need. And if you'll, if you'll put your life in my hands, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something new in you. And the other picture was of somebody somebody who's a Christian but who's facing huge mountains and the mountains are causing you to doubt and I felt God say you know you've, you've sung about the mountain mover and you're wondering where he is and God's saying he is the mountain mover he does move mountains but he also um, makes a road through the mountains it says in Isaiah 49 I will make my mountains into roads And so whether he moves the mountains or whether he makes a road through the mountain, he is with you. And don't let go of him. Don't let go of him in the dark place. He will get you through and your test will become a test 